is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. Swing and a drive! Deep left! Gone! That was as hard as a baseball can be hit. Swing and a base hit to left, and the White Sox win it! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. So welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on November 11th. 2023. It's getting a little colder out here in downtown Chicago. Not too bad, though. A lot of people walking around. I've seen some people walking around in T-shirts downtown because that's what you do when you're walking around the Mag Mile. Uh, Jack McGrath is our producer. I'm Connor McKnight. We're hanging out with you for the next hour or so. White Sox Weekly every Saturday afternoon here on ESPN 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available right now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day on March 28th. Our ticket plans include great benefits, such as a ticket exchange program, special events, savings on single games, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash 2024. A lot to get to in the show today. A A lot to get to. Some changes for the White Sox organization and broadcast here in the last week or so. Uh, Here's what's coming up on the show. First and foremost... We got time for your calls. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. You want to talk a little White Sox? You want to talk a little off-season baseball? You want to talk a little hot stove? We're here for you. 312-332-3776. You can also watch us on Twitch. Jack has turned on the Twitch camera. He's going to regret that. I hope you don't, but you can you watch us on Twitch and hang out and do that whole thing. I'm in the Twitch chat. That's where the that's where the people hang out. That's where they live. It's good to see you all. We're doing crockpot recipes on the Twitch chat right now, and I tell you, I couldn't be happier about it. We're getting to that point of the year as well. We, um, we're going to hear some sound. The GM meetings were truncated out in Arizona. Norovirus apparently was an issue, and it knocked out like I, three, five, something. I mean, there were a lot of people uh, struggling with some, uh, some rumbly-tumblies going on there in Arizona. So they didn't get as much time to hang out and talk shop by the pool or hotel bar or or your favorite restaurant down there in scottsdale in the phoenix area but we did have some some solid interviews and some good stuff come out of the gm meetings so far and i'm going to play you some sound from white sox general manager chris getz from white sox manager pedro grafal and from the new white sox hitting coach marcus temps the the coaching staff has rounded out here. We've got a full coaching staff for the White Sox, and we'll go through some of those hires uh, that were made over the last week. If you've been listening to a lot of talk radio in and around town, I'm sure you've heard the names already. Our first chance here on the weekly show to get a chance to uh, talk about some of those changes and some of those new additions to the coaching staff as well. And I thought, who better to hear it from than Pedro Grafal and Marcus Thames himself? We are also going to talk about Luis Robert. Congratulations to the White Sox center fielder. He gets the name uh, put Silver Slugger onto his uh, his autograph on the baseball if he wants to. He's got the gold glove. He's got the all-star appearance. He's got the silver slugger now. Congratulations to Luis Robert Jr. for winning his first of what I think could be a couple silver slugger awards in his career. Think of it is coming down the stretch. You know, I, I remember doing a, a White Sox postgame show or maybe even a White Sox weekly late in the season, maybe like a month to go before the Sox had gone off to Boston and and Luis Robert got his 20th steal and then got hurt that weekend and sat out the rest of the year. So probably two weeks before that, maybe a month left in the season. And I remember kind of talking through, well, you know, he's got a good shot at a gold glove, but 
Kevin Kiermeyer, who ended up winning the gold glove in center field. Um, and at the time, Jose Rodriguez of the Mariners were right there in terms of defensive numbers. And J-Rod was also pushing him for the Silver Slugger Award. So with a month to play, it was very much a, 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 a neck-and-neck race for those two awards. And Luis Robert Jr. was right there for both of them. Uh, congratulations to Kiermaier for taking the gold glove uh, and winning that. He's a free agent, by the way, and somebody that I wouldn't be too surprised to see added onto a roster. Oh, I don't know, maybe like the White Sox. We are also going to talk about the, um, the the big news that came around just, uh, what was it, two days ago? Today's Saturday, Friday. Yeah, so just a little while ago, Friday, th- Thursday, Friday. Uh, the White Sox will have a new play-by-play man on the TV side next season. Jason Benetti uh, has left the White Sox. He's going to the Tigers to be the new play-by-play guy for Detroit. Um, and I wanted to talk about it here because it's been talked about quite a bit. I fully understand and um, completely get that your broadcasters, whether it's Len Casper or Darren Jackson, Jason Benetti over the last eight years, or Steve Stone, are touchstones for this ball club. I mean, I think of myself growing up as a baseball fan, trying to consume as many broadcasts as I could, whether it be White Sox or, or anybody else, really becoming attached to the game itself because of what I heard on that broadcast, who I heard it from, and how they talked about a game that I loved. So I am completely with you in understanding that that voice, that perspective, that humor, that touch, it's going to be missed 100%. I I completely understand it. Steve, uh, for his part, has said a lot of things uh, really complimentary of Jason, the the work they did together over the last eight years. I consider Jason Benetti a friend, and I'll miss him quite a bit around the ballpark next year. I am, you know, like a lot of people have said, I'm bittersweet about things, right? I'll miss seeing my friend at the ballpark. I'll miss being able to talk baseball with Jason uh, when he's around. I'll miss being able to do Keith Jackson impersonations at the ballpark during a rain delay. I mean, that was, that's kind of what we did. That's how we hung out, and it was a lot of fun. Um, Jason's getting a great opportunity to go with the Tigers. And as he said in numerous interviews over the last, I don't know, 36, 48 hours or something like that, um, a credit to everybody for coming to an understanding and, and allowing that next step of, of his career on both sides, by both the White Sox and Jason Benetti, um, to go ahead and, and make this move hard and, and bittersweet as it might be. When I look back at Jason's time with the White Sox, and certainly I, I think a lot of people would chime in on this, I, I think and, and kind of capsulize, encapsulize rather, his career as, as a White Sox play-by-play guy with Lucas Giolito's no-hitter in 2020. Just a little bit of background on this, and I'm sure you can relate to it too. I don't know if you remember, but 2020 was a tough year for everybody. You know, it's the coronavirus, it's the pandemic, baseball's just 60 games that year. A lot of us had been laid off and waiting around that summer looking for something to do, some way to get back into society for some of us, myself included. And when the baseball season finally got back going, we found a lot of solace in that as baseball fans. And I think that while that game was going on and getting longer and longer, or closer and closer rather to Giolito meeting history and throwing the 19th no-hitter in White Sox history, you could feel both Jason and Steve working together to bring us, those of us at home sitting on the couch, looking for the significance of that moment. And I don't want to over-dramatize the thing, but for me it really meant something. Because there it was, 
a moment to finally get out of your own head, out of everything else that was going on around you, and celebrate a thing that you'd been wanting to celebrate. To kind of be together in as much community as we were allowed to be at that point. And I thought that Jason's call of the thing, the final call, well, you'll feel the final two strikes here, really resonated there and and speaks to what the man's able to do on a broadcast. So just, you know, one more time, here's Benetti finishing off Lucas Giolito's no-hitter. Deep in thought, the well-trained mind of Lucas Giolito. He wins strike two. One more bat to miss. Nobody's here to watch, but everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. On 0-2 to right field, Adam Engel is there! A no-hitter! The 19th in White Sox history! It was an awesome finish. Off the bat, I thought that ball was down. I, it was an absolute rocket. Engel kind of has to take that weird sidestep. I mean, he was so athletic in center and right, able to take that step and catch it about hip high if memory serves and finish off that no-hitter. It was, um, it was an epic moment. I'll I tell you this. Uh, even though Jason is, is now in Detroit, Steve Stone is one of the best, if not the best, in the business at what he does. Uh, the White Sox commitment to excellence on the broadcast side of thing is exemplified in Steve and Len Casper and Darren Jackson. And I can promise the same. Uh, the broadcast will be will be different next year. No doubt about it. But we've got White Sox baseball coming your way one way or another. And we're looking forward to it. A lot of changes uh, abound for the White Sox here in, in the last couple of weeks and in the weeks to come as well. Um, and White Sox general manager Chris Getz spoke to reporters at the general manager meetings before everybody got sick and had to go home, unfortunately. Uh, and I wanted to play some sound for you here from Getz, just kind of setting the tone of, of this offseason, I think. I remember in, in a couple of shows the last few weeks, I'd really been curious, and I think you are too, about exactly how the direction of this White Sox team is going to shape itself over the next couple I'd really been curious as to what was going to happen with the options for Liam Hendricks and Tim Anderson and uh, Mike Clevenger in, in terms of how this front office was going to allocate or move around some of the financial obligations that they had to those players, all in different you know kind of buckets of productivity. Clevenger was a pretty good starting pitcher last year, and it was his mutual option that moved him away from the ball club and leaves the White Sox searching for more starting pitching, no doubt about it. But Hendricks was a team option, and Anderson was a team option as well, and both of them uh, are now going to be free are, are now free agents. So, Getz was asked kind of about the roster, and you've likely heard this cut before because there's a real, I mean, there's a ringer here at the end of this, and I, I wanted to play it for you here so we could talk about it some on White Sox Weekly. Here's White Sox general manager Chris Getz just kind of setting up the roster specifically. Well, you know, it, it's it's piece by piece, it really is, um, and. You know, I'm set to I'm set out to, to really improve our, our defensive play. We'll allow our pitchers to attack the zone and be more efficient. Um, I do believe that we need to to become more athletic. Um, 
you know, on, on just, you know, that speaks to the, the improved defense, we hope, um, and obviously running the bases and, and taking extra bases, those types of things. Um, you know, the style of play, I, we, we're looking for players that understand what it takes to, 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 to be on a winning ball club. And that comes to, that, that, that starts with their approach to the day-to-day basis, um, being in the right place at the right time, um, you know, on the field, and, you know, more or less being some baseball players that are going out there working together and competing. Um, we've got a talented group. There's no question. I don't like our team. Um, and we've got to make some adjustments. So we improve for 2024. I mean, that's that's the cut at the end there, right? We've got some talented individuals. I don't like our team. He's going to explain that a little bit in the cut I'm going to play here, too. But I do want to make note of one of the things gets said in that particular cut, and that's talking about the base running and defense specifically. We're going to play some from White Sox manager Pedro Grafol in a bit. Um, there's a there's a long cut, an extended cut uh, that Grafol had talking about base running and how bad the White Sox were at base running from a certain perspective, from a certain stat, I should say, that he points out last season. And just how much better they plan on getting or need to get, I should say, going into 2024 and for 2024. So don't, you know, as, as you think about this and I think about the construction of the roster, construction rather of the roster and exactly why Getz might not like his team at this point. Remember that they're identifying also some places where you can get better faster. It's not. It's not like scrolling to the bottom of the website and clicking like the one weird trick that makes you a better White Sox team. Like it's not. It's not that. It's not one quick fix, but there are some very simple things. They're not easy things to do, but they're simple things to identify and theoretically simple things to coach where the White Sox can get better quicker than bringing in a whole bunch of new players and adding in a bunch of home runs. Doing doing some of the little things right matters quite a bit in this game, and that was evidenced, I think, throughout the playoffs. Now, here's Getz kind of following up on or expanding on a bit that idea of liking the talent on this team but not liking the team as a whole. When I say you know, I don't like our team, we've got pieces that are, are, are talented and they're attractive um, and they can be part of a winning club, but obviously we haven't been able to go out there and perform. It's not, it's not a well-rounded club right now, and so we've got to find players to come in here to help get us in the right direction, um, and if that means that we use some of the players we have on our club to multiply and, and not only help us in the near term, uh, but also uh, in the long term as well. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's going to take time this offseason to, to build out this roster, um, but that's why we're here, you know, at the, the winter meet or the, the GM meetings here and having some good conversations with other clubs and certainly our own group as we set forward for, uh, for our future here. And he's talking about using some of their own players to multiply, and by that I believe he means trading, right? I mean, bringing back multiple players for one, whether those are guys like Eloy Jimenez or whether that's somebody like Yoan Moncada or whether it's an even bigger retooling of the roster and moving somebody like Dylan Cease. You would imagine that for those players, you're going to get multiple guys in return. And that's how uh, Getz in this instance is talking about being able to multiply some of the skill sets available to him. There's two more cuts from Chris Getz, and we'll play those a little bit later on. They talk a bit more specifically about White Sox, former White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson. And by no means did Chris Getz rule out a reunion between Anderson and the White Sox. However, there are some reports over the last couple of days that kind of typify the White Sox or, or set out the White Sox as a team looking for you know some stopgap solutions at short, shortstop. 
as they prepare for the coming of Colson Montgomery, their top prospect and a guy who won Arizona Fall League MVP. So he's a hell of a fall for Colson Montgomery. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly. We'll be back to talk about Luis Robert here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you missed the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White, White Sox, Sox Weekly. Weekly. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Runner takes off. Swing and a fly ball deep to center field. Robert is back. He is at the wall. He's going to leap and he took away a home run. And he'll throw back to first. And it's a little late. Almost turn two as it is. He took two off the board. Swing and a fly ball out into deep center field. Straws back. It's at the wall, and it's off the high wall, and it'll kick toward right center. Andrews scores. Robert making his way to third. He's got a triple. It's one to nothing. There's a ball hit deep center field, and it is gone. Luis Robert Jr., with a three-run homer here in the opening inning. Lynn Casper and Darren Jackson with the call here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. It was another great year for Luis Robert. Really a come-out season for him. Sure, he you know, got into the All-Star game. We knew it was on his way. Already won a gold glove. Finished second in Rookie of the Year voting in 2020. Uh, and now has, has really announced himself as one of, if not the best, uh, kind of all-around players in the American League. Maybe not the best. There's a couple of things he could probably do better in 2024. And he talked about a few of them in a press conference he had uh, when he was uh, kind of being allotted for winning his Silver Slugger Award. Marcus Thames, new White Sox hitting coach, talked about a few things that Luis Robert is looking to do better at. And I, I mentioned those things instead of celebrating him first. I guess the highlights did a lot of that. Because it's, it's crazy. It's great to be able to look at Robert's, you know, just kind of the line, right? The raw numbers that Luis Robert Jr. put up last year, a 264 average, a 315 on base percentage, a 542 slugging percentage, and a 128 OPS plus, winning the uh, all-star, or getting to the all-star team and then winning the silver slugger, all in 145 games. There are, I mean, in my mind, pretty clear and obvious ways, not easy, but obvious ways, that Luis Robert Jr. can get even better as his career goes on. He played at age 25 last year, right? I mean, this guy's got a lot of baseball left right in the prime. He turned August, uh, he turned 26 rather, in early August. So there's some good baseball left on Luis Robert Jr. And, and I think what it comes down to for Robert, and, and what it comes down to for you know breaking through, not just in kind of that mash and mosh of of top tier talent but really being one of the one two three four guys that you think of as utterly elite in the american league at least at the plate i mean defensively i I think you're already there i think you put up those kind of performances uh the the year he had last year two years ago not quite as good but you put that kind of defense together year after year after year after year and you're you're going to get your gold gloves, right? I mean, that's that's kind of already been proven. Uh, Kiermaier and Jose Rodriguez had some solid seasons. But offensively, offensively, it's about swing decisions, I think, for Robert. And what is what was really impressive, I think I've shared this anecdote or this little story before, but what's really impressive to me 
about Roberts 2023 is that he could get lost at points and then bring himself out of those slumps quicker and quicker as the season went on. When we look back to the the tight hamstrings he was playing with, the the benching and miscommunication and the kind of come-to-Jesus moment that he and Pedro Gafal had, what you had coming out of that, what, what came out of that, was a more dedicated player, a better relation between manager and player. And there are credits to go around for both of those guys and the coaching staff in general uh, for getting that relationship and then the production to where it needed to be. That's huge. It's also huge for Robert to go ahead and like rededicate himself to what needed to get done. And he did. And as that happened, you know, when that happened, Robert wasn't hitting all that well. I mean, you know, there's a slump through, through some of April. And when slumps happen, you've got to be the guy to get yourself out of it at times. And I thought Robert was. We all kind of know that that right-handed swing, he's, he likes to swing a lot. And you can be a really productive player when you like to swing as much as Luis Robert Jr. does. You just need to hit for power. And that's what Robert did. There was a, an at-bat against Justin Verlander midway through the season. And he threw him, he's got him 0-1, and it was a first-pitch fastball, and Robert falls behind a strike. The next pitch is a slider low and away, just off the plate. Robert swings and misses for strike two. He's 0-2. Verlander comes back with another slider, aimed for the low and away portion of the plate against the right-hander. And instead of missing off the plate, it's perfectly spotted, but right on that low and away corner. Would have been a strike. Robert changed the swing up a little bit, identified the pitch, and drilled the thing for an 0-2 homer against Verlander on a slider. Back-to-back breaking balls from Verlander. When he's pitching well, too. And that, to me, that's, that's the kind of next stuff, that identification of location and process, of that, how that pitcher is working you, given how your swing is going. Darren Jackson talked about it a lot. I think we had him on a White Sox Weekly before the season ended. To him... Robert, despite the Silver Slugger Award, wasn't really locked in for any long stretch of 2023. I argued back with him, I mean, politely, but said 10 days, this is 14 days, and I pointed out a 10 or 14 day stretch. I think it was in the end of June. He said, Yeah, okay, sure. If you want to pick that as a, and it was, it was a better stretch than anything else. But I mean, to put up that kind of number while not being that kind of locked in is also impressive to me. So congratulations to Luis Robert Jr. on winning the Silver Slugger Award. It's, it's impressive stuff uh, and a lot of fun to watch. And here's hoping that everybody's got Luis Robert to watch on the south side in 2024. I think we will. Marcus Thames is the new White Sox hitting coach, and he spoke just a little bit. We'll, we'll play more from Thames in, in, a, in a while. But he had one cut on Luis Robert himself, and it kind of drilled home, and it's kind of where I'm picking up some of the ideas about how Robert can be better next year. I think he can. I mean, he, he's a talented young man. Um, just like I said to the guys early on, just seeing him across the, the dugout. Um, he's got a lot of talent, and um, I just know he wants to be even better. So it's going to be my job and, and Mike's job to really tap into and try to get him to the next level. What, what just from the little you've seen of him across the way, what, what impressed you about Luis Robert Jr. overall? He's got the total package. I mean, he's got speed. He's got power. Um, and, and he used the whole field. He's got foul-on to foul-on power. Um, and, I, you know, he goes into slumps here and there, but I just think he has the knowledge to, to, to get that even better. But if you look at his overall numbers, like 
He doesn't even have four or five seasons under his belt yet. So I've seen some guys get even better. So I think he's on the right track. Yeah, this is the first year in which Robert played over 100 games. He had played 98 in 2022, so really close. 401 plate appearances last year, uh, 22, I should say. And in 23, 145 games with almost 600 plate appearances, 595 in total. Robert has never had an OPS plus under 100, though in his rookie season, probably the last eight weeks of the year, it was it was really tough. Last six weeks of the year in a short season, it was really tough going for Robert, but he still had a 100 OPS plus. 2021, he was very good, but hurt often, only played 68 games. And this year, probably his best all-around season, my opinion, and I, I think it would be Robert's as well, his goal was to play a whole lot of baseball games. And 145, if, if it's not a whole lot, it's really close. And if you put up another 145 in 2024, I think you can give yourself a thumbs up. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. When we come back, we'll talk about the new White Sox coaching staff. Some new hires were made. Pedro Grifol is going to talk about them and the changes he'd like to see uh, to his ball club in 2024. We'll play some of that sound when we return on White Sox Weekly. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Stay out of the elements in 2024. Located on the 200 level behind home plate, the Guaranteed Rate Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash GRC or call or text 312-674-1000. Also, you can catch the action from a private diamond suite in 2024. Learn more about our different suite sizes and how you can host your closest friends and family with customizable food and beverage options next season. Shoot, these things are so big, it doesn't have to be your closest friends and family. It could be the relatives from uh, Tuscaloosa that you didn't want to invite to Thanksgiving and get them down to a White Sox game instead. It could be... Uh, I don't know, estranged college roommates or something like that. You know, I wonder what Dan Reed's up to these days, my college roommate from freshman year. I know he loved going to baseball games. I'll tell you that much. I'm sure he'd enjoy a private diamond suite. Don't know that I'm going to get Dan Reed a private diamond suite. Haven't talked to him in a while, but he's a nice guy and he deserves it. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash suites or call or text 312-674-1000 or find Dan on Twitter and let me know what he's doing. White Sox announced a new coaching staff for the 2024 season. Pedro Grafol talked a little bit about it. I'm going to do Jack McGrath's our producer, and I'm changing up the order as we go here. There's a little producing on the fly. Pedro talked about Marcus Thames and Mike Tosar stepping into their new roles, kind of in the hitting infrastructure. So we're going to play that for you in just a second. Here's a quick rundown of the new names in new positions and some old names in new positions. Charlie Montoyo remains the bench coach. Ethan Katz, the pitching coach, of course. Assistant pitching coach, now Matt Wise. He was the pitching coach in uh, L.A. for the Angels the last couple of years. We talked about Matt when he was hired uh, a few weeks ago. The hitting coach is Marcus Thames. You'll hear from him in a little bit. The assistant hitting coach is Mike Tosar. He was kind of a roving uh, coach last season. The new first base and outfield coach is Jason Bourgeois. He was a major league outfielder, a really good one defensively, uh, and he replaces Daryl Boston. The third base coach and infield coach is Eddie Rodriguez, same from last year. The catching coach is Drew Butera, longtime uh, backup catcher in the league. You'd probably remember him from his years with the Royals. And the major league coach 
and we'll talk a little bit about this as we go here, but Grady Sizemore, uh, one of the best players in baseball for a brief run of about two and a half to three years, something like that, before injuries just took him out of the... I mean, White Sox fans know him. He played in the division. I thought Grady Sizemore... I mean, I think a lot of people thought Grady Sizemore was going to be like the guy, right? I mean, it's like the, the dude there for a little bit. Grady Sizemore is now a new coach. He's going to be handling a lot of outfield stuff and some hitting stuff as well. Uh, be good to use. And base running, too. Uh, I think Grady's going to deal with a lot of base running issues. Here's Pedro Griffol talking about Marcus Temp mostly, but also how Mike Tosar is kind of work in to the hitting infrastructure for the White Sox as we kick off 2024. Uh, he had an idea of what he, he wanted to do. Um, obviously, I don't micromanage any of these areas. So whoever comes in these areas are, you know, they're, you know, that's that's their baby. You know, so uh, he's coming in with a plan. Uh, you know, he knows our deficiencies. He knows how we chase. Um, he knows how I want to really improve the um, the situational hitting aspect of our ball club. Uh, you know, he had a plan for that. Uh, and obviously, Mike uh, Tozar has a history with these guys now, you know, uh, you know, being that he was he was on our staff last year, he knows these guys well. So I think that's a good team, um, you know. To you know, to take on our hitting, we need to improve there. You know, plain and simple. Um, you know, we need to. Uh, I'm not saying go out there and draw walks, but I, but I am saying you know take them when take them when they're given to us, and understand that uh, every crooked number out there is, you know, is. Probably there's a walk or two around every cooking number that's put on the board. So, um, you know, he had he had a plan for all this, um, and he's got a strong presence. He's been in the big leagues for a while. He's you know he's 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 worked with stars. He's worked with rookies. Uh, so we feel like he's the right guy for us going forward. We're going to stick with some Marcus Tem stuff here. He talked about his hitting philosophy, and I think it dovetails well into what Pedro was talking about here. But one thing I, I just got to draw out. Because we've been talking about it for two years here when you reference the White Sox offense. In 2021, they walked. They had like the third highest walk rate in all of baseball. And they were a dynamite offense when they did. Yes, things flagged a little bit in the last month of 2021 offensively. Maybe two months if, if memory serves. But the walk rate was there. And when Pedro says every crooked number, every big rally has a walk or two involved... Man, a hundred, a million percent right. A million percent right. Base runners are pressure. And walks are self-induced mistakes in the mind of a pitcher more times than not. You know, unless you're facing Barry Bonds and you're like, don't, please don't hurt me. Walks are good. And I'd love to see the White Sox get a little bit more patient as opposed to as swingy as they've been the last two seasons. I think Pedro's right on there. And it sounds like Marcus Thames is going to work to instill just a little bit more of that. Two cuts from Marcus here, the new White Sox hitting coach. The first, this one, is kind of his, while well, he was asked, what's his hitting philosophy? And I, saw, I thought his answer was an interesting one. People always ask him what's hitting philosophies in this. And, and I always, I've been around the game long enough now, it's just that term is used loosely. And, and for me, the number one thing when it comes to hitting, you got to be able to swing at strikes. And educating guys on what they do well, letting them know their strengths and, and really conquering that. And um, that's how we're going to get to it. And um, it's going to be an individual thing. But then overall, we're going to have team at bats. And I think that can, can, can cover it. This, this I like a lot. And this is something, you know, I think this kind of pairs well with something that Hawk Harrelson talked a lot about in the last couple of years before he stepped away from the broadcast booth. He talked about having multiple hitting coaches on, on a ball club before it was trendy. 
Uh, and it's something that I, I heard him say back in, I don't know, 2010 or something like that. And I thought, Mike, yes, why are we doing that? There's so many different hitters, and it's not just the 13 on a roster. We're talking about minor league guys who come up and back down. And I mean, you're dealing with probably 20-something hitters. They're going to matter to you over the course of a season. It's crazy to think that one guy could handle every single, not just personality, but also swing. To say nothing of the fact that you got to deal with a language barrier sometimes. I mean, this is this makes a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. So when he says that it's going to be individualized, I kind of take him at that word, saying that listen, that this we're going to find what you do well and keep doing, keep you doing those things at that top level while getting the pitch to hit, swinging at the right stuff, pitch identification. It's huge and something the White Sox sorely lacked last season there's another cut that marcus thames offered up in this press conference in this uh, introductory press conference that had a lot of people talking on twitter and i understand why but i think some have kind of played it without the context that you just heard from thames so here he talks about what attracted him to the white Sox job just a vision just a vision that that um chris and josh and and Pedro, um, what they what they have trying to do moving forward. Um, I love the vision they're trying to do, and um, they're trying to reshape the team. Um, I heard Getz's um, interview yesterday. Like he, he's trying to make some moves to make the team a little bit more athletic, and um, get some guys to put the ball in play a little bit more. And I like that vision. And um, I think the game has come to a point where you know situational hitting and stuff like that has been kind of a lost art until until the postseason. Then you start seeing teams trying to bunt and hit and run and stuff like that during the postseason. We're going to start hitting that in spring training and. Um, we're going to change our identity a little bit. And I like that vision of what they're trying to get done. In broadcast booths and press boxes around Major League Baseball, you will hear guys who played the game talk incessantly about the fact that no one in baseball knows how to situationally hit anymore. They scream and yell about it. Then the microphones turn on and they offer a really eloquent explanation as to why you can't get anybody in from third base. And the microphone goes off, and then there's more screaming. It, it, it's an epidemic. It is absolutely a thing. And I understand that you take this quote, right, this idea of, like, oh, run more, situationally hit, and bunt and stuff. Marcus didn't use the word bunt. Jack, can we scrub the audio? Was bunt word used? No, wasn't? Okay, great. No bunt. I, what matters is winning baseball games. And when you look, I don't know how much of the playoffs you watched. I don't. I, I completely understand if you zoned out because your team wasn't in it. I completely understand if you watched every minute because you're a baseball junkie. I was somewhere in between, but that's because I have a 10-month-old daughter and she doesn't let me watch a whole lot of playoff baseball anymore. But there was situational hitting involved. There were also huge home runs from Corey Seager that mattered a ton as the Rangers won their first World Series in franchise history. And I just don't think, I mean, look at the White Sox offense over the last two years. If Marcus is talking about if and only being a better situationally hitting baseball team, that's a awkward phrase, but we'll put it in there anyway. Being better at situational hitting and changing the way the White Sox offense works, what would be wrong with that for the last two years? If you take that quote, the first cut, talking about doing things players do well and having them continue to do those things and do them better, then you know that Marcus and nobody else in that coaching staff is walking into Glendale Spring Training saying, Luis, I know you won that silver slugger, and it is a beautiful award up there on your mantle, but we got to have you lay a couple of down here. No, that's not what anyone's talking about. 
There's a really interesting article by Michael Bauman. Um, he writes for The Ringer and, and Fangraphs as well. Other places, too. He's a great Twitter follower and a really smart baseball writer. And he's writing about how Bunts are more successful last year. They were, they were, a relative, they were more successful than they have been in years past. There's a lot of different reasons for that, I think. Bauman points out a couple of them. There's a few others that I could think of. I don't want to make this a bunting show. That's not what this is about. That's a few weeks from now, I guess, when we're waiting for free agent signings. But I do think that it's more meaningful for hitters to be able to have that as part of their game while, during, in conjunction with, Hitting 25 or 30 home runs if you're that 25, 30 home run kind of guy. I really do. Darren Jackson has convinced me of that. You can download the ESPN Chicago app, download this podcast, and send it to DJ on Twitter and let him know that I said this. It will hurt me, but DJ will love it, and it will make his day. Mostly just because he likes to hear he's right, because he is. It's changed some. And I like that Marcus said what he said in that point, as long as, and I believe he is, Also underscoring the need for hitting for power in this game. There always will be that need. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. White Sox roster has got to get reshaped here a little bit, though, before any of Marcus Thames' changes or philosophies or, you know, any alterations really impact the on-field production and win total of the Chicago White Sox. So to that end, Pedro Grafal, when we come back, is going to talk a little bit about how this roster is going to change and a few places that he could see making some fairly simple tweaks that could improve the record or at least the on-field play from last year to next. I'm Connor McKnight. you got White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN1000. 1000. 1000. Be even closer to the action in 2024. Located directly behind home plate, the Trust Scout Seats offer access to our luxury club experience with all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and parking. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash scout seats or call or text 312-674-1000. Closing it up here on White Sox Weekly, just a little bit more sound to play for you, whether it was uh, Chris Getz from the GM meetings, Pedro Grafal from the introduction of his new coaching staff, or Marcus Thames brought it all to you here. We talked about Jason Benetti uh, leaving the White Sox broadcast booth, heading to Detroit. You can download the show on ESPN Chicago, on the ESPN Chicago app, each and every one of our shows are downloadable at your leisure. You can listen to all the interviews you missed, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, just of note, we had Brian Bannister on the show in the um, first Saturday after the season ended. Bannister spent, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes hanging out and talking pitching philosophy with us. He's the new director of pitching for the White Sox. And if you're looking for you know, just exactly how the White Sox are, are hoping to revamp their entire pitching infrastructure, that'd be a great interview to go listen to. Bannister was awesome. Uh, either way, Pedro talked a little bit uh, about the, quote, that Chris Getz gave to reporters during the GM meetings. The idea that he doesn't like his team, though he does have talented players on it. Pedro expanded a little bit and responded to his general manager's comments. You know, one thing I learned this year uh, in, in baseball and sports in general, um, and it doesn't matter if it's profession, sports, high school, whatever it is, like whoever wants to talk to me about chemistry and tells me chemistry is not important, um, I'll debate that all day long. Um, you know, that's an accurate comment by, by Chris. You know, I feel the same way. We have a lot of talented players. 
I, however, didn't like our team either. You know, when, when we talk about a team, it's not about one guy or two or five. You know, it's about 26 guys really loving to play with each other, you know, when, when that bell rings. And uh, we didn't have that. And I think it's our responsibility and my responsibility to, uh, you know, once once we put the team together and this roster together and we get to spring training, you know, to make sure that that chemistry uh, is where it needs to be uh, every time we step on that field. And I know it's massive and I know it's a big, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of things that, that we need to improve on. Um, but the most important thing is making sure that every single guy we bring in here um, is in it for one reason and one reason only, and that's to help us, you know, help us win a championship, uh, whenever that may be. Um, but we need 26 guys going to Chicago that want to play for each other and, and, and love to play with each other, you know, every single time we step on the field. And that's the most important thing. I mean, that's if you ask me about, you know, what did you learn this year? I learned a million things, right? But the one thing I, I, I stamped is that every time somebody raises a trophy at the end of the year, they talk about the love they have for each other. We're a family. We work hard together. We fight together. We go out together. Um, everything they do, you know, is based around chemistry and really enjoying one another, you know, playing this great game that we're, we've been grateful to make a living out of. So um, I know it's massive. I hear you and I agree, but I think if we focus on that um, and we get to accomplish that, we're we're well on our way to where we want to go. That's Pedro Grafal talking quite a bit about the chemistry there and likening it more to uh, likening that more to to Getz's comments about not liking the team than any kind of you know on field or, or production aspect of things i it's always a chicken and egg conversation at least to a certain degree right does winning breed chemistry or does chemistry breed winning and here you see pedro kind of coming down on that second part i think there's nothing wrong with establishing some chemistry or the way things or are done as you seek wins you're not always going to have a perfect clubhouse i mean shoot i think a lot of managers a lot of think former players would tell you that a perfect clubhouse isn't going to win you a lot of games that you need to have uh some guys willing to mix it up some Certainly the 2005 White Sox are, are part of that conversation, always have been. But I wanted to play one more for you before we get out of here. It's Pedro Grafal talking about where he thinks the team can get better, faster, sooner, quicker, farther. I mean, this is big for him. So here it is. A lot of areas. You know, there's an area, you know, the base running is an area that I that I think is extremely important to us. And it's and it's massive. It's big. It's, it's every single player. It's 30 guys in spring training. It's 13 guys during the season. And most of the time... You know, the guy who runs that area is one guy, and he's, he's most of the time he's on the bases. So as you follow the baseball, you know, how are you um, watching our primaries and secondaries? You know, and when, you know, we do our, you know, I had our, our R&D department do an audit on our club, um, and I have, I have them do it periodically. But at the end of the season, when, when, they, when the audit came back, you know, our our – we were fourth worst in primary leads. We were, we were in the bottom of the barrel in total lead in total uh, uh, feet per you know per to- per lead like total leads like thirteen point eight feet. Um, the Dodgers were first at fifteen point five. So that's a that's a foot and a half. You know when when you look at it, that's a foot. And a half. Every time we go to the phone on a replay, it's two three four inches. 
you know, we're talking about, you know, 18, 19 inches away from, you know, the team that's leading the league in a total, in total lead. So um, I know I'm rambling on this, but this is an area that I feel like we, uh, we desperately needed to improve in and, and hiring uh, Jason and, and Grady to, to really attack this area is going to make stuff. Jason Bourgeois and Grady Sizemore, the two coaches he's referencing there to improve that aspect of White Sox baseball. We will see exactly which players are brought into the ball club or traded for the ball club to make those particular areas better. But I agree with him that those are spots where if the White Sox are better there, they will absolutely be a better overall team. It starts with the little things. Uh, and then the rest matters quite a bit. But little things got to get better. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Jack McGrath. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. We'll see you next week on ESPN 1000.